He's glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. you are here.
Come on, sometimes it looks like things aren't going any way in your favor. But how many know that even when we can't see it, he's working for our good, amen? Sing that, declare it. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. Something's about to break loose this morning, come on. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. Oh, I know you are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. Declare it again this morning. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness.
on, church, give him a hand. Lord, we believe in Jesus' name. Your favor is upon us. Your favor is on our families and the generations to come in our families and our children and their children. We claim Jesus over their lives, that they will come to know you as their personal Lord and Savior, that you'll protect us, you'll keep us safe. For everything we do, we will worship you. And everybody in this place said, amen. Amen. You know what amen actually means? It means so be it. So be it. Well, we talk about may his favor be upon you. And then we declare, so be it. Let it be so. How many people need the favor of God in your life? How many people know that you have the favor of God in your life if you're following after him? Amen. Hallelujah. We're thankful that you're here today. We are so excited to... uh, uh, How many people are excited that football started? How many people are... uh, uh, just waiting for, how many, how many people's team didn't get a play yesterday? College. Big Ten fans? I'm sorry. I see somebody still sporting a Michigan shirt over here. They're just, they're holding hope. Michigan, Ohio State fans are just holding hope uh, that they're going to kick off at some point. Um, but uh, my team played uh, a high school team yesterday, I think, West Virginia. Um, but, uh, hey, a win is a win. It was just a win to be able to kick off. And, uh, but we're glad you're here, and we're excited about, uh, we are just now getting back to being able to do some things that, that we were doing pre-COVID. And uh, we've got life groups getting ready to start up the first week of October, and uh, we're going to be doing growth track classes. Uh, if you're new to Gateway and, and you want to know more about uh, what it is that, that we stand for and, and what we believe and where we're headed and our goal and our mission and our vision, and, and uh, it's just a class that uh, a couple hours will feed you, and uh, that information will be coming about that soon as well. Uh, but we're just uh, glad that you're here, and uh, we're excited about what God's doing. Uh, this for the next few weeks, uh, we're going to start to look at uh, healing. Now, when you enter into a relationship with someone, one of the first things that you do is you begin to, to try to figure out or learn about what that other person is all about, what is truly their heart, their deepest desires, what they, they want for their life and, and their lives for the people around them. Uh, You want to know their heart because when you get to know their heart, you begin to know them, what makes them. And uh, so you begin connecting with them and you're listening to them and and you're just, you're trying to to do everything you can do. And when we enter into a relationship with God, it it works the same way. Uh, It's important to know God's heart. It's important to know what he desires for us to have and what he desires for us. Of us, So we begin to, to, to examine and say, you know, what does God truly want for me? And what does he want from me? And as I look through scripture and, and all throughout the word, I can see so many instances where God provides healing. Now, in my mind, when, when the word healing is brought up, that what comes to my mind is the healing of our bodies. And the healing of our bodies is, is something that, that God, it's definitely God's heart. Uh, we see through all throughout Scripture that, that he was all the time, Jesus was, was healing those who, who needed healing in their physical body. And we're going to talk about that in a few weeks. But there are other kinds of healings that we want to, to talk about. 
Uh, we want to talk about how that God wants to heal our souls. And we want to discuss how that, that God wants to heal the brokenhearted. And today we're going to, to look at God wants to heal our land. He wants to heal our land. He wants us uh, to be a whole and healthy nation, not broken, not sick, uh, but he desires us to be a nation that is healthy. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. This is a template for healing. If God didn't want our land to be healed, if he didn't want it to be healthy and whole, then, then this verse wouldn't be there. He wants us to be healthy and whole as a nation. Uh, this template is also something that can bring healing to your home. Uh, your family is your land as well. It's where you inhabit. We hear this all the time for our nation, but, it, but we can also, do you know the church is called a nation? God looks to us, the church, as a nation. And just like God used instruments of judgment uh, back in the, in the Old Testament, he also uses a holy nation as an instrument of revival. In the Old Testament, you would hear God say, I have Assyria as a rod in my hand to bring judgment against Israel. In the New Testament, he has another nation in his hand. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 tells us this, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God said, I, you're a holy nation. He said, I want to use you as an instrument of revival. And there's something else that he also wants to use the church as. I believe that he uses the church to push back the darkness. You see, we make an intolerable place tolerable. That's why the, in, in the word we are called salt of the earth. Anybody ever tasted something and you immediately think, that needs salt? Anybody? Now, not your wife's cooking. I'm talking about at a restaurant. Uh, this past week, I had uh, uh, made some corn because it's one of the few vegetables that our daughter will eat. And, uh, you know, corn's not good without butter, right? So, you know, I put a lot of butter in it and, and uh, put quite a bit of butter in it. And she's not one to complain, but she gets up from the table, and I hear the microwave going. I look over, and what are you doing? She said, I'm melting some more butter. And I said, it doesn't need any more butter. Now, I didn't taste any because corn has a lot of sugar in it. That's probably why she likes it. Uh, I try not to eat it very often. And um, so she said, it, it just needs butter. So I said, well, not, don't put any more butter. Aren't you going to be sick? So... She dumped a little bit, and she took another bite. Well, she ended up not eating it. And I thought, what is wrong with my corn? So I decided to take a little bite, and it was nasty. And then it hit me. You didn't put any salt in it. So she was sitting at the table, and I said, it didn't need more butter. It needed salt. 
And so I, I took some salt and put it on there, and she said, that's what was missing. Then she ate the rest of it. Why? Because salt is what gives it flavor. And that's why that without salt, without flavor in this world, it's not tolerable. And so here we are. We're at a, a place in a, in a situation that we have to understand and, and realize that salt is what we're called to do and what we're called to be. We have an opportunity and a chance to usher in the darkness, to usher in the light into this dark, lost world. You see, John the Baptist was used that way as well. John the Baptist was used to usher in the darkness, in, in the light into the darkness. And he said, I'm going to, to prepare a way. And people didn't like what John had to say. People didn't like the fact that he was telling them something and saying, this is the Messiah. He didn't, they didn't like that. But he did it anyway. He said, I'm going to prepare the way. Jesus is the way. So when we begin to, to look at this passage of Scripture, and what I want to do is I just want to, to break down this one verse. I want to look at what it is, the template that we've been given. The first thing that it starts with in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 is sonship. He said, if my people who are called by my name. Now, what does that mean? That's not talking about the lost. It's not talking about the world. It's not talking about Donald or Joe. It's not talking about a, a political party. He said, if my people, who is that? That's us. That is us. He said, it is up to us to call on his name. He said, if my people who are called by my name. He, he tells us, he said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not come against it. And so here, here we are. He said, if my people called by my name, we're the game changers. It's up to us. And if we learn to walk in, in the fullness of our sonship, if we begin to, to realize how it is that we are supposed to live and how that we're supposed to walk, then we can be effective and be the salt in this world. If my people called by my name. In Luke chapter 3, John the Baptist here, he was preaching to the Jews. And he said, therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not begin to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you, that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. In other words, what he's saying is, is, don't take for granted the fact that you're God's chosen people. He said, don't rely on the fact that Abraham is your father. Don't rely on the fact that you're Jewish. And what they did was, they quit living the way that God wanted them to live, just because of who their father was. Have you ever known someone that thought that the world owed them something because of who their parents were? 
And they thought that they could do anything they wanted to do and, and live any way they wanted to live just because of who their father was. And he's saying here, you, you can't live that way. John the Baptist said, don't take for granted your Christianity. Don't take for granted what you believe in. Don't take for granted that you are children of God. Don't forget your sonship. And so they did that and they started to live a, a different way. Way that God didn't want them to live. You see, in the Bible, there are two words for children. And it's amazing that these two words are found in two different verses, only one verse apart. One is found in Romans chapter 8, verse 16. When it says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, the word children here is the Greek word technon. And what this means is, is this means that children by birth or adoption. It, mean, it says, if you've been born into Christ, if you've given your life to Him, if you're following after Him, then by spiritual birth, you are a child of God. But just two verses before that, in Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it tells us, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Now, the Greek word here for son is huos. And what this means is, is this means that you're matured. When a baby is born, I always get tickled because, you know, I, I try to go to the hospital and, and you, you look at the baby and, and you're there and, and somebody always, it never fails. It's usually a grandparent or, you know, a proud grandparent. They'll look at the baby and say, oh, he looks just like you talking to the, to the mom or the dad. And I'm sitting there looking and thinking, no, he doesn't. He looks like a baby. He's got no hair, no teeth. That's why they have to put bracelets on those babies because if they don't, they're going to give that baby to because they all look the same. Anybody agree with me? They all look the same. And that's what it means. But we don't want them to stay that way, right? Because as they begin to get older, then you can say, oh, they're starting, then I can see it. You know, oh, they're starting to look like you. They're starting to, to act like you. Anybody got a child that acts just like your spouse? You like to beat them out of them, right? When they do something wrong, you look at each other and say, that's your child, right? But as, as a follower of Christ, uh, we have to, to mature and begin to look like him. Begin to, and this says, for as many are as led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. In other words, if you're led by the Spirit, if you're following after Him, then you're going to start to reflect Him. You're going to start to, to look like Him. You're going to understand what it really means to be His, to be of His sonship. Uh, we're talking about children, not by birth, but by reflection. When God looks at us, he wants to say, they look like me. They act like me. They're not all the time fighting. How many have more than one kid at home right now? And they're, they're, they're doing virtual school. Anybody? 
is it a constant fight all the time, right? You just, I've only got one. And every time I see somebody with two and they're fighting, I remind myself of why I only have one. If you only have one and they're fighting with no one, you have to put them in a padded room, right? Can I say that from here, I guess? I just did. Um, but I lost my train of thought. Padded rooms. Um, no, but seriously, they fight all the time. God said, that's not my children. That's not a reflection of me. God wants us to be the salt and the light of the world. And the salt that we are supposed to be when we begin to, to become his son, his daughter, his children, then we begin to look like him and act like him and talk like him. And when the world looks at us, they don't see us, but they receive a reflection of him. If my people called by my name. The second part of that verse, we want to talk about humility. Humility. He said, if they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Now, now, humility, what this tells me is, is that we do not have all the answers. Our nation is searching for answers, but the problem is, is that we are looking within ourselves for the answer. We don't have all the answers, and we're not going to get the answers as long as we keep looking at ourselves. The problem is, is that we aren't seeking, seeking God. You know, we, we have issues when we say, well, how do I get from here to there? How can I go from this point to that point? And the secret is, if you could have done it on your own, you wouldn't be here. You would be here. You would have already gotten to where it is that you needed to go. Our nation needs to go from here to there. But as long as we keep looking at ourselves for the answers, it's not going to happen. We can't do it on our own. Uh, this, the Word of God, it has all the answers we need for life. He said, if you will seek my face, if you will humble yourself, if you will pray, then I will show you how to go from here to there. God said, I want the nation to be whole. I want it to be healthy. I want it to go from here to there. But you have to ask. You have to seek my face. And this same principle works in your life as well. Do you want your marriage to go from, from struggling to healthy? From broken to whole? Then what do you do? You look to the word of God and you say, God, how does this happen? And then we find scriptures that tell us, husbands, you've got to honor your wife. You've got to love her. Wives, you've got to respect your husband. That's how you go from here to there. How do you go from a, a crippled walk in Christ to a strong walk with God? You humble yourself. You seek his face. You pray. You get into the word. How many people have ever not known how to do something, but you didn't want anybody to know that you didn't know how to do it, so you wouldn't ask. Anybody? Come on. That's just, confession is good for the soul. You, you know what that is? 
Our pride keeps us from admitting that we don't know. I remember growing up, and um, this was before GPS, before smartphones, where you had, you know, somebody telling you, you know, in 900 feet, turn right and make a U-turn and you missed it, stupid, and, you know, all those things that the GPS says. Um, This was before that. This was when all we had was just, you know, um, the sun to go by or one of those paper things. I think what they call maps. Anybody still use a paper map? Anybody? Good. We only had one first service, none this service. Uh, I have recently, um, for those of you who don't know, I've just, in the last two weeks, I've re-entered sixth grade and, um, and we're in, we're learning geography right now. And uh, so we are learning how to uh, read maps and uh, legends and keys and, and all this stuff. Um, uh, it's really my daughter, if you haven't picked up yet. But, but I feel like I'm back in six. Some of you are looking at me and oh, man, I thought you were smarter than that. Um, but here we are, and, and we have this, this paper map. Well, my dad was the kind that he never wanted to ask for directions. And he had a map, but most of the time it was in the glove box where he couldn't get to it. It was under the seat, and it was too dark. And, and uh, so I, I can remember this one time, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that we were in Atlanta. I don't know where we were going. I don't know why. I have no idea. But we were in Atlanta, and um, it, was, we always, it was dark, wee hours of the morning. Uh, and Dad just, he wasn't going to admit he was lost. And so we're driving, and, and all of a sudden we get in a part of Atlanta that I'm pretty sure that you'd, we shouldn't have been in uh, at 3 o'clock in the morning or whatever it was. And we're sitting there, and we're at a stoplight, and there's nobody around except people on the corners looking at us. And I'm thinking, uh, this would be a good time to run this light, Dad. It's okay. God will understand. And, um, but in that moment, because that he wouldn't ask for directions, he had honestly endangered himself and those people around him. And we do the same thing in our life. If you never look for help, you can only be one of two things. You could be perfect or you could be prideful. Now, my bet is, is probably on the latter because I've yet to meet perfect person. But we don't have all the answers. And we have to look to God and say, you know what, God? I don't have the answer. I'm humbling myself. I'm asking because I don't want to bring danger to myself or to the people around me. God, I want to know, how do I get from here to there? And as a nation, if we would just humble ourselves and say, God, We've lost our way. God, we've took for granted our sonship. How do we get there? You see, humility abandons self-reliance. It abandons self-reliance. It says, you know what? I'm not going to rely on myself anymore. It says, you know what? I don't have the answers, but God does. God has the answers, but... So many times we try to rely on ourselves. You know what the Bible says about that in James chapter 4, verse 6? It says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, 
but he gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He said, just humble yourself before me. Ask me. I want you to be whole. I want you to be healthy. I want you to get from here to there. But you can't do it on your own. Just ask me. Next part of that verse says, turn from their wicked ways. They will turn from their wicked ways. Well, what is that? Uh, that is the truth. Speaking the truth. You know, we live in a, in a world that is filled with um, political correctness. And we, feel, we live in a world that is filled with people who just want to hear what they want to hear. And if we're going to, to turn from our wicked ways, it's going to, to take us speaking the truth. Not just telling people what they want to hear, but what they need to hear. You see, we live in a generation that they want to, to deny the truth. We live in a generation that, that the truth offends them. But Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 says there's a way to do it. It says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. He said, speaking the truth in love. Now listen, I want to be very clear. I'm not talking about your interpretation of the truth. I'm not talking about your opinion of the gospel. Uh, too many times we, we take the scripture out of context and we try to twist it into what we want it to say to fit our narrative. But what I'm talking about is looking at someone and telling them, listen, there is a heaven and there is a hell. Looking at someone and saying, there's only one way to get there. Because he said, he's the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through him. Telling someone, listen, there is a day of judgment. And on that day, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Greek or black or white. or It doesn't matter. If you know Christ, you are going to heaven. And if you don't, you're not. You see, we have to be willing to, to share those truths. Because that is what is important. is people coming to the, the knowledge of knowing Christ is their Savior. You say, well, well, it can cost me. I, I'll lose friends or, or I'll lose... Listen, John the Baptist was that guy. John the Baptist, they, they thought he was absolutely crazy. I'm not saying go that far. But John the Baptist spoke the truth and it cost him ultimately. As a church, if we would learn to speak the truth, if we would learn to speak the truth in love, this world could change. Our nation could, could begin to, to go from here to there. The Bible said that, that he's the way, the truth, and the life. And if you look at that, I believe it could be a, a progression a progression. First of all, his way is his love. 
It's his love. That is how that, that we find our way. It's through the love that Jesus gives to us. It's through him spreading his arms on the cross of Calvary and his blood being shed for us. It was out of that love that we can find our way and that we have the way. Then he said he's the truth. And I look at the truth as that means that, that we have to be willing to go by the truth and to die to ourselves. And then he said, he's a life. What is that? That's your reward. Uh, the problem is, is that we too often, we want to go from his love to our reward. We want to go from here to there and bypass this. You can't do it that way. If you want uh, your broken marriage to turn from, from broken into being a life-giving marriage, you go from love, dying to yourself, and then your reward is that healthy marriage. Truth is the game changer. If you want to go from cursed to blessed, it says, you know, there are some things in our life, there's some things in my life that I need to look at and say, you know what? I need to turn from that. I need to reevaluate some things. Why? Because I want to go from his love to my reward through the truth. Truth's the game changer. Last is answered prayer. He says, if you do these things, then I will hear from heaven. Isn't it awesome when we come to the knowledge of knowing that the God of the universe, the, the one who, who set everything into motion, the one who, who is over everything and that gives life to everything, that he loves us so much that if we humble ourselves and we look to him and we begin to, to seek his face, that he hears us. He hears our cries. He, he says, you know, you want to see your land healed? He said, maybe you, you just got to turn from some things, some things that are hurting you. He said, I'm going to hear your prayer. Listen, if you're a follower of Christ, there was a time in your life that you realized that you were lost. There was a time in your life that you realized that you didn't have all the answers. There was a moment in your life that you looked at your life and you said, you know what, I'm here, but I need to go there. And in that moment, you humbled yourself and you said, God, I can't do this anymore. God, I can't get from here to there without you. And so you humbled yourself, you asked him to come into your life, you asked him to be Lord, and what did he do? He heard you. That's his promise. That's his promise. You humbled yourself in that moment. Can I tell you what happens a lot of times? In that moment, we humble ourselves and we go to God. But then after we've been walking with him for a while, we begin to swell up with pride and we think, God, I've got this. God, I can do this. God, I, I'm, I'm self-sufficient. 
You ever worked with someone that, that maybe they'd been doing something for a long time and, and they just had that arrogance about them? That I don't need any other ideas or I'll, I can do it this way, this way. I've always done it and, and, and they wouldn't, they just had so much pride in them. Well, sometimes as Christians, we do that same thing. And, and, and in a moment in our life, we humbled ourselves before him. But then all of a sudden, just as we begin to, to walk with him day to day, we lose that humility. And we stop asking. We stop seeking. We stop praying. We stop humbling ourselves. He said, you've got to do those things. And if you do those things, just as it was when I saved your soul, I will hear. I will hear you. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is talking about John the Baptist. And he's talking about how that he compares John the Baptist to Elijah. And he, in the eyes of Jesus, John the Baptist was compared to this great man. Well, in the book of James, in chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly, and he prayed that it would not rain. And it didn't rain in the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain. And the earth produced its fruit. This was just one of the examples of the many prayers that were answered for Elijah. There's a story in the Old Testament that talks about how that he had a standoff with the prophets of Baal. And how that, that Elijah basically said, let's see whose God is real. And in that moment... He said they danced around and, and tried to get fire to fall from the sky and it didn't happen and Elijah made fun of them. Uh, but, but Elijah knew. He knew that he had a God that if he would humble himself, if he would ask, that he would hear him. And in that moment, Elijah said, now watch this. And he said he prayed fire down from the sky. Why? Because God is a God who answers prayer. And what does this verse tell us? It says Elijah had a spirit just like ours. He said that same power of answering prayer that Elijah had, you can have it. I can have it. That same spirit that says, God, I can't do it, but I know you can. God, I don't have the answers. And I understand I don't have the answers, but I'm going to come to you and I'm going to ask you. Here's what I'm convinced of. As I was preparing for this message, I began to think about I mean, I'm, I don't think I'm letting any secret out that our nation is a mess. If you haven't realized that, you must not have social media or the news channel. But as I begin to think about the condition that our nation is in, I felt convicted in my soul, and this question came to my mind. 
as bad as everything is, do I spend more time complaining about it or praying about it? Do I spend more time worrying about, fretting about everything that's going on? Do I spend more time sharing my opinion on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever it is else that's out there? Or do I spend more time praying about it? And if I were to take a guess, I would say that even his people called by his name We complain more than we pray. And what we're doing is, is we are looking within ourselves for the answer. Not only for our nation, for our family, for our community. This template, a template only works if you use it. So my challenge to us is humble ourselves, seek his face, pray. God wants us to be a a people, a holy nation that is called out to hold back the darkness, to usher in the light, to be an instrument of revival. How's it going to happen? If we could do it on our own, we'd already be there because that's what we want, but we can't. So I want to challenge you. We set reminders on our phone for a lot of things. Keeps us on task. My challenge to you is, and what I'm asking us as a church, is that today, at some point, go in and set a reminder on your phone for every day. And let that reminder go off and just simply say, pray for our nation. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to lock yourself in a closet or something. If you want to do that, that's great. But even if it's just four or five minutes, just take the time to say, God, I understand that if we're going to get from here to there, it's going to take your people calling on your name. And I believe that if we will do that as a church, because God wants us to be distinct. God wants us to stand out. He wants the world to see that we're different. He wants people to look at your life and look at your marriage and think, why is their marriage so great? And I'm sleeping on the couch five nights a week. Why is it that that they seem so blessed or or they have such peace? You know why it is? It's because we're not depending on ourselves. We're depending on him. And I believe that, that before he comes back, that there's going to be a great revival. I believe that with everything that is in me. I believe that's why that he hasn't come back yet. 
I mean, there's going to come a point in time that he said, okay, that's it. The door's closed. But we're not there yet. And so it's our responsibility to stand in the gap, to call on his name, to seek his face, to humble ourselves and say, God, we need you. God, help us get from here to there. And I believe that as a church and as a follower of Christ, if we will do that, listen, we're going to talk about the next three weeks about things about how that, that God can heal us, how he can heal our soul, our bodies, our broken hearts. But I wanted to start this series off on this September 11th weekend, 19-year anniversary of, of, of a day that just changed our nation forever. I wanted to start this series off by saying, first of all, before anything else is going to ever happen, before we can ever get from here to there, we've got to get 2 Chronicles chapter 7, 14 in our spirit. We've got to use that as a template for our life. So the way I want to close today is, is Nick's going to sing, but I want to encourage you. It's raining outside, so nobody should be in any hurry to get out there and get wet. But I'm going to encourage you, wherever you feel comfortable, whether you stand, whether you kneel at your seat, whether you come to this altar, take just a few moments. Follow the template of 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Humble yourself. Seek the truth. Seek his face. And know that he is the only way to get from here to there. Know that he hears you and that he can heal our land. I'm going to ask everybody to stand. And as we begin to The Bible tells us that, that he humbled himself even to the cross. And we talked about becoming a reflection of him. Humility is a great reflection of him. So I'm asking at this moment, wherever you are, if you're here, if you're watching online, Take a few moments, humble yourself, seek his face, however you feel comfortable. Thou, O Lord, art high above all the far above all gods Thou, O Lord art high above all the earth Thou art Exalted far above 
tells us that if we exalt him that people will be drawn and that's why we lift up his name that's why we admit that his ways are higher than our ways his thoughts are higher than our thoughts that we don't have the answers but he does and I pray that if you take nothing else out of what was said today, know that God has the answers and that he can take you from here to there. We love you. Pray that you have a great Sunday afternoon. Uh, Be sure and uh, check out our Facebook. Check out the the bulletin online. We've got a lot of things coming up and uh, we're just excited about what God's doing. And uh, just keep believing, keep praying, keep seeking his face. Have a great Sunday.